everybody and welcome to the true crime squad this is katie weaver i'm here with my sister co-host and partner in all things crime christy brower hello hello hey everybody does it feel like we were just here <laughs> <laughs> i think we were it feels like it yes mm-hmm. <laughs> uh well welcome it is wednesday night case updates of course and yes we've already been here for oh gosh four and a half hours earlier today for the yeah belligerent turd circus that was uh, a Chad Daybell hearing. It did not disappoint. It did no. not disappoint. It was belligerent and turdy, for sure. And for sure, a circus. I'm, I'm still reeling from when John Pryor said, well, I mean, if you think Chad Daybell was a part of a conspiracy, I don't believe that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I know you're his defense attorney and all, but... <laughs> What the hell was that? <laughs> okay, honey. <laughs> okay, honey. Good Lord. Yikes. Yeah. Crazy. Well, beyond it being a belligerent turn circus day, it's way more exciting than that. It's your birthday. It is my birthday. So happiest Happy of birthdays birthday to, to you. Thank you. Yes. And I hope you all are having a great day. Uh <laughs> There's a lot going on in the true crime world. That is for sure. There is. So when isn't there? Yeah. The big news out of uh, the Daybell case this morning or hearing is that the judge said yes to cameras in the courtroom, kind of, Mm -hmm. for the trial. They will be cameras, but they'll be his cameras. So the court is going to use their own equipment to stream the trial and... We're thrilled. Thrilled, thrilled, thrilled. Uh, yes. We don't know what kind of, uh, you know, look we'll have or quality that will be, but it's 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 a good step in the right direction. It is. It's something, it's, I, I think, they're not saying it, but it appears to me to be a move in the Idaho court system, moving to a system where, okay, they're going to allow ch- cameras, but they're going to control them. They're not going to let the media control them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't care. That's fine. Like, yeah. okay. You know, I mean, the, the media's attorney was like, well, they do have a lot nicer equipment. They do. Mm-hmm. But then she said they have much more sensitive microphones. And then that was a problem. Mm-hmm. I think she probably should not have said that because mm-hmm. that's part of the problem is they don't want you to be able to hear like what's being discussed at the defense table or anything sure. like that, which is fine. And mm-hmm. we don't either. Mm-hmm. We don't want a mistrial. No. Mm-mm. So, yeah, so that's good. Uh, the judge also, you know, did allow the uh, charging, the charges to change slightly, just like they changed in Lori's trial. It was no yes. big deal. Um, Prior acted like it was a big deal, but it was no big deal. And the judge was like, yeah, of course, that's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Then they also argued change of venue, which uh, was not ruled on yet, but it was pretty obvious that the state will lose. They want to bring it back oh to Fremont God. County, and they simply cannot. Why they didn't just argue to bring it to Bonneville and bring like a well-reasoned and a well-researched uh, plan? Yeah, right. They did none of those things. They really didn't. I I felt like that was really for being 
their motion, I felt like it was really unprepared. Yeah. It's like you guys, they didn't have any numbers to share, nothing, you know, except for the fact that there are only 2,000 qualified jurors in the county of Fremont and they would have to pull 1,800 of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as uh, Pryor pointed out, you know, lots of the law enforcement and other uh, like witnesses in the case also live in Fremont County and mm-hmm. probably have plenty of relatives that would be those qualified jurors if they themselves weren't the qualified jurors. It's just, there's no way. It was a there's ridiculous no argument, unfortunately. It really was. So it was. We don't really think it's going to be moving at all. No. Uh, and then the other piece that they argued was uh, to, well, <laughs> that uh, motion in limine to mm-hmm. instruct the prosecution on what they were allowed and not allowed to say, you know, because supposedly they said that Lori was the kingpin and now they can't come back to the next trial and say that Chad was the kingpin. And honestly, the prosecution made a, some very good arguments about that, about the fact they that, uh, uh, no, we never said that. Those are all snippets uh, that were taken out of context. And also, there is, uh, you know, that because it was a conspiracy, there's really no statute for that. It was interesting because Pryor many times said, Mr. Wood cannot say. Never one time did he reference Lindsay Blake. It was no. the whole time. So I was discussing this with, with Scott uh after the hearing today and I was saying, don't you think it's interesting? You know, I said, do you think it's just misogyny on full display? And he goes, "Mm, yeah, but he said, I think it's more that he's more afraid of Rob Wood. (laughs) So he targets him more, which I thought was interesting. It Uh, it is because yeah, he not, he, he made it sound like Wood was the entire, was the whole prosecutor on the whole case. And mm -hmm. that is not true at all. There are three prosecutors plus some deputies on this case. So yeah. But he called Wood out over and over again. Uh, the other piece, mm-hmm. uh, the last part that was argued, of course, was to drop the death penalty because it's not fair that Ta- Chad has the death penalty when Lori did not have the death penalty. And I and I said this earlier, but I think the mic drop moment there for uh, Lindsay Blake was that she brought up the fact that Chad has one more first degree murder charge than Lori did. And so to try and put them both in the same basket is totally inappropriate. And honestly, Mm -hmm. I had kind of forgotten that. And I agree entirely on that now that, uh, yeah, he has just the first degree murder charge on Tammy alone could give him the death penalty. Right. Good. It could. That was a very valid point. Mm -hmm. And it really just came down to a lot of whining on Pryor's part, that really whiny, Stuff that just doesn't really seem to go anywhere with Judge Boyce. He gets real tired of it. Mm-hmm. You can sort of, you can see him start to glaze over. Like, oh, Jesus Christ, here we have to listen to this again, you know? But the man of the hour was really sitting out in the audience. The man of the hour was Nate Eaton. <laughs> because <laughs> was. Uh, Nate Eaton was brought up multiple times <laughs> by the prosecution and the defense. He and was then, the villain of, course, of the day, which was really funny. <laughs> was wild. Uh, what everyone's uncomfortable with the amount of press this uh, case has received, but uh, that's too damn bad. It's our right, and 
And that's just how this works. Come on. But boy, they brought uh, they brought Nate Eaton up. They brought his name up specifically multiple times in his reporting of this uh, case. And then, of course, there was uh, an attorney there that was hired by the press to represent mm -hmm. them in speaking in support of allowing cameras in the courtroom. She was fantastic. She and was. I think part of the reason that we got cameras in the courtroom, because she made some really good arguments. Uh, the judge interfaced with her well. They apparently are colleagues that have known each other for a long time and mm -hmm. pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You could, I mean, the way that the judge asked her questions and like really um, was thinking about what she said, like yeah. the last time the media was represented um, for Lori's trial, that attorney did a terrible job, started a fight with the judge out of the gate mm -hmm. and he got nowhere, but he was an no. ass. Mm -hmm. And he was very adversarial with the with the judge, which I thought was a big mistake. This was much better. How come people Thank never you. Yes, see some that's of you. a big mistake? Yeah. I you know, I don't know, but voice does not play that. Thank no. you. Some of you noticed I did this was part of my birthday. I used some birthday money and got my hair cut today. So very cute. Yeah. It was time. Two other things that went down. Uh, the, the rest of that wasn't ruled on, by the way. The only thing, things that we talked yeah. about. The rest of it will come out here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, a couple other things that did come out today and yesterday, however. One is kind of an interesting, kind of not, just a more procedural filing from Lori's camp. This is, uh, she's along with James Archibald, uh, waives her right to file a motion to read reduce the sentence under rule 35 defendant understands her appeal will be pursued by her appellate lawyer so basically she's just saying jim archibald is not going to try to uh argue rule 35 rule th 35 has to do with whether or not uh her sentence is legal or not uh right. and so it'll be picked up by the appellate uh attorney is all that mm -hmm. is in case you're wondering uh the other thing is that there was a clarification from judge boyce that indeed there is no current order in place that would prevent Lori and chad from speaking to each other that was in response to a filing last week an inquiry from the state asking and clarifying it is our belief that there is nothing prohibiting these two from talking to each other the judge came out and said, indeed, there is nothing prohibiting these two from talking to each other. What does that mean? Well, a couple yeah, of thoughts. What does that mean? One is that, uh, does that mean the state is now going to come back and file and say, we do not want them to talk to each other? Or are they kind of hoping they will? <laughs> because... All right. of their correspondence uh, would be uh, would be uh, surveyed. And so mm -hmm. I kind of wondered if that was a setup or if it was just, a, oh, shit, these two could actually be like writing to each other in prison. Probably don't want that at this point. Chad's not even convicted. Let's uh, nip that in the bud. Not sure. So we'll mm -hmm. wait and see. Yeah, I suspect we're going to. Well, I just think we're going to see more about that because that. Yeah. They have a reason why they want to know. So that at some point, random. they're going to file to make it so they can't until his trial is over, or they're going to request that all of their communication be monitored and, and request any communication that's already happened. 
-hmm. And we don't know, you know, because if it was letters, those are red, but they're not necessarily like photocopied. Um, I'm not exactly sure, you know, but any kind of phone call or video call would be recorded. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, would they have communication with each other? I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, Paula, thank you for bringing up Chad's kids. I think this was one of the most interesting arguments of the day. Oh, and my gosh, right? One of Pryor's bigger arguments for allowing cameras in the courtroom was so that Chad's kids can observe the trial without having to attend in person. Uh, because some of them would not be able to, you know, jobs and life. And, you know, this is probably be a three-month event. Want to. Or want to. He said they would not be able to come without, you know, essentially creating a media circus. That's true. That's true. So. I can't imagine that even if they do want to observe the trial, that they would want to do it in person. Who would want to do that? Who would want to subject yourself to that? But, I mean, since when does Chad flying fuck about his kids? Right. This is the first of anything we've ever Mm -hmm. seen. Where he has concern for his family. Yeah, my mm. ass, he does. Yeah. I don't know. I found that very interesting and whatever. Yep. That was wild. We, yeah, we were all, I really pricked everyone's ears up because we've not heard hide nor hair about Chad's kids at all. Mm-mm. Now, uh, but an interesting point is it's possible that some of them could be called as witnesses. Yes. Well, yeah. Pryor indicated that some of them would be. Yeah, meaning that they won't be watching a damn thing until after they've been uh, released as a witness. Right. So we'll find out. Yeah. So that's where all of that is at. <laughs> but I didn't want to take too long on Daybell Vallow since we've already spent so much time on it today. Uh, yeah. Christy, speak to us about uh, Rex Hewerman. Yeah, so remember when, so Rex Hewerman is the accused uh, Gilgo Beach serial killer. And, you know, we'd heard that his wife, Asa, had, and this is Rex and Asa, photo of them, had filed for divorce against him. And then we'd heard she'd been in to visit him. And then she attended a hearing for him. So guess why? Asa Ellerup, who that's her, uh, she doesn't actually go by Hewerman, she goes by Ellerup, uh-huh. uh, has apparently signed herself a fat documentary deal with Peacock. Uh-huh. Um, it's going to be produced by 50 Cent, which I don't quite understand. But apparently, she actually had a film crew with her when she went to that hearing. So we do not know what the deal is, but word is it's a lot of money and that there was some bidding war going on for who was going to get this deal with her. Yeah. Family members are pretty disgusted. Um, Family members of the victims are pretty disgusted. Uh I am too, except I have to say, when they were searching Huberman's house, Asa and her two children were literally camping on the front lawn of that house and cooking on a grill because they have no money and they had nowhere to go. They have nothing. He, whatever money he was making, it wasn't going to them. And there's been a lot, a lot talked about that the house that they were living in is really run down and in bad shape. They've got nothing. So at this point, this may be Asa's only option. I'm thinking. I don't know. 
So we don't know yet um, a lot about the deal with Peacock. They're not talking much. No one's talking about how much money she's getting. Um, but uh, Peacock has said, <laughs> Peacock, they've said that she was not paid for her involvement, but she was given a licensing fee so the company could use her archival materials, which is uh -huh. the same thing as saying she was paid. I mean, it it's just, paid. yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know, there's a part of me that's like, that she had to, of course, sign all kinds of stuff that says that this money will never go to Hewerman himself or benefit uh -huh. him in any way. She can't help pay for his um, defense, case. nothing yeah. like that. Um, it's sad to me, but it also is pretty much inevitable, I think. Uh -huh. And I mean, she's she and her kids have been pretty much destitute since this happened. Yeah. And they I mean, weren't they weren't far from it before yeah. yeah and there has been a gofundme for him that's true mm -hmm. yep. so i mean it's i don't know i'm not sure exactly how to feel about it but it, it explains the 180 of her divorcing his ass to yeah. visiting him going to a hearing so she's obviously going to and it, and it, we're not saying that she's like supportive of him but she yeah. is going to observe and participate at least to some extent mm -hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. But yeah, I mean, Asa has to survive too. I mean, I, I don't fault her for it. I really don't. She's got to do what she has oh. to do too. I Right. It's like, what is she, is she going to go get a job say. somewhere? Who's going to employ her? She's Rex Hewerman's wife. Right. Yep. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of awful, guess who wants a D-I-V-O-R-C-E? Oh, Yeah. One Kevin Frankie. Yes, he does. <laughs> he has filed for divorce from Ruby Frankie. So uh, the divorce, uh, the terms of the divorce are sealed, but there is, uh, oh, what is it called? An injunction. And mm -hmm. the injunction, this cracks me up a little bit since, you know, she's in jail, but the injunction emphasizes the two parties cannot harass each other in any way, including electronically. They cannot cancel services belonging to the other. They cannot cancel or change any shared insurance policies. The Frankies are also prohibited from making derogatory comments about each other in front of the children. Well, I think the kids know. I think the kids already know. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. This is that one thought I had. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it's not too surprising. I mean, he's going to, he's trying to separate himself as far as he can from her. For sure. Because well, if there's any indication that he knew what was going on. Jenny, yeah. uh, I will kick your ass myself. <laughs> <laughs> he's single. <laughs> you don't want Kevin Frankie. No, you don't. Mm -mm. <laughs> 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 Next thing you know, she's going to be writing to Chad Daybell. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> oh, At you any know rate, uh, Well, they'd been separated for about a year anyway. And mm -hmm. word on the street is he's a porn addict. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, because Jody Hildebrandt, and according to her, everyone who has ever seen a woman in anything less than a, uh, a high-necked prairie dress with long sleeves clear to the ankles is a porn addict. So This is true. Yep. So at any rate, that's, uh, that's what's up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. 
where do we go? Well, oh, let's talk about Alex Murdoch. <laughs> oh, boy. So the sentencing of Alex was this week for all of his financial crimes. And it was, as you can imagine, gag-worthy in many, many ways. So bad. Judge Newman wrapped it up and put a nice bow on it. And I'm going to share you a, a couple he of clips sure with you. did. Because <laughs> damn, he's good. He got his last digs in, didn't he? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, A lot of the people that addressed Alex were very direct with him. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them told him he's a monster, indeed. Mm-hmm. Some of them told him that they forgive him. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess do or don't or whatever, but he doesn't really deserve that in any way. Alex did say that uh, he's taking responsibility. He did these things and he's very, 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 very sorry. But he'll take responsibility for things he did do, but not things he didn't do. And he's really hoping that by taking this plea deal that his law firm can now focus on finding out who killed Mags and Pawpaw. Oh, my God. You know, the crimes he's already convicted of. Yes. Oh, he makes me sick, man. So he had an opportunity to speak, and he pontificated for 50 minutes. The first eight minutes was an address to Buster. And I have a small clip of it. I didn't want to have to show you his stupid face for too long. But, uh, boy, the dude's not sorry. He is just not sorry. It was about him. Him, him, and me, me, me. He was so mm-hmm. proud to announce that he has been clean for more than 800 days. That's because you're in prison, stupid. Dumbass. <laughs> it was disgusting. Uh, but he... Uh, but I'm going to show you a little bit of what he said to Buster. Uh, and then uh, a, a small portion of what Judge Newman said, too. Judge Newman did indicate that, yes, he is only about a month away from retirement. And I thought it was really interesting. That... I'm so damn glad. Can you imagine? I had Biggest really... retirement party ever. Yeah. I hadn't really considered the fact that uh, Judge Newman knew Alex before all of this went down. But, of course, he did. Oh, right. He was saying that, Alex, I always knew you was a happy person. Uh, every time I saw you, you were you were happy. Uh, I don't think I ever saw you sad or anything other than just uh, yeah, high energy. And he said, I saw you two months after your wife and son were murdered at a, a conference. And you were hanging out by the pool, just acting as happy and cheerful as could be. He said, then I couldn't have even imagined you would have landed in my courtroom like this. Which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, at any rate... Um, Alex wanted to thank all of the people that have written him in support and supported his sobriety. He appreciates it very, very much. Uh, stop writing him. What the hell are you doing? And yes. <laughs> Please pick a worthy cause to support. This yeah. this ain't it. Ugh. Yes. So, of course, he got 27 years in prison. Now, after it was all said and done in a press conference, the poot and uh, Jim almost couldn't remember his name. He's that memorable. Uh, the Pooter and Jim gave a press conference. And of course they said, uh, they, Pooter said he just can't wait uh, till the day in 27 years. Cause you know, he still thinks he's going to get those murder charges dropped that uh, he and Alex can play a good game of golf. Oh my God. They were again, celebrating him. Like he is in any way a good person. Oh dear God. <laughs> Paula said she he, supposes that Jesus knows him. 
disposed. Right. Yes. So I'm just going to show you a clip here. It's a little bit of Alex and then a little bit of Judge Newman to uh, cleanse your palate. That are not only based on no facts and no evidence whatsoever, but are also not based on any semblance of reality whatsoever. And I am so sorry that you have had to go through that. I know, Buster, that you know that I have always been proud of you. I have never been more proud of you than I am for the way that you have handled all of the adversity. I would like for the court to accept the negotiated sentence. Uh, it is a, uh, a stern sentence. Um, the question was asked, or what kind of animal are you? Um, you're an enigmatic person. Um, I don't know that you understand yourself. Um, what comes to mind is a young man that I sentenced to death penalty for killing a police officer and setting his body on fire and Though personally I was opposed to capital punishment, uh, he was sentenced to death. And in writing up that sentence report, I, I concluded that he was heartless. He was just empty. And when I see you and I listen to you and I reflect on all that I've seen since being appointed, uh, assigned to these cases, uh, you come closest to that young man being empty. I don't see anything. I, I tried to reach you at at sentencing in the other case. Uh, I, I've listened to you here today, um, and I don't I don't see anything there. Hopefully, hopefully something will emerge within your spirit, within your soul. Certainly, um, being a person of your age and intelligence and experience, you have a lot to offer to the people that you encounter on a daily basis in the institution. And I think it's admirable that you, um, you've indicated that you will uh, help them and continue to try to do good uh, by them. Yep. But yes, 50 minutes, 5-0, of him pontificating, mostly talking to his family and about himself. Uh, that was gross. Not to all of the people that he defrauded and harmed and so gross. But the judge is right. I mean, that's the thing. I, the whole thing with him, it, with Murdoch, is what a sociopath he is. 
because he did just appear happy-go-lucky all the time, like everything's great and fine. Yeah. Nobody knows who he is. Yep. Nobody knows who he is. That's he's buried under so many layers of bullshit that. Mm-hmm. Agreed, though. He looks terrible in orange. A lot of the people in chat mm-hmm. are like, "Yeah, he looks like shit in orange." He does. He looks terrible, mm-hmm. and well, that's great. He's not an attractive person anyway. And then add that he's orange. A very odd and... looking guy. Yeah, not good. Holy moly! Yep. Uh, but if you thought we were done with criminal trials for this mofro, you would be wrong. Because we ain't done yet. So it won't be in Judge Newman's court. Uh, He still has charges pending from the failed unaliving. That that has still not been to trial yet. (laughs) From the the, uh, attempted assisted suicide? Mm -hmm. Yep. So we'll we'll be seeing more about that uh, coming up. Uh, We just not ever have to hear his stupid voice or see his dumb face ever again. Well, we don't know, because there is the whole Becky Hill debacle, so. I know. Time will tell what's going to happen there. Time will I'd also like to never have to see Dick Harpootley in the dumb face again. Ever. Right. Yeah. Ever. Or Jim's, because Lordy, he looks confused wherever he is. He does. And just, I mean, look at the legacy he has left to his kid. Uh Buster will never be okay. He will no. never be okay. No. How could he? No. Mm-mm. Alex it's did a lot of crying awesome. and saying things like, I have a lot of people that love me that will help me through this. This is not about you. Oh, right. This God. was not ever about you, you shithead. But that's mm-hmm. the gross part of this is that he still thinks it is. These people were his victims. And he realizes that the only reason he was doing so many drugs is just because of all the guilt he was carrying because of all the terrible things he was doing to people. Yeah. So? Me, 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 some more. Yep. Uh, disgusting. I don't know why we would have expected anything else. I don't think we did, but here you go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Christy, there is a murder trial going on right now that you've been keeping an eye on. Uh, Brianna Gay? Yes. Y'all may remember this. This happened last year in the UK. Uh, This is Brianna Gay. Brianna Gay was a young trans girl who was uh, murdered by two supposed friends, two teenagers. And these teenagers, so they are 16 years old. There's a girl and a boy. So the girl is X and the boy is Y. They don't use their names. We don't know their names. They are currently on trial for Brianna's murder. They they stabbed her 28 times. This was on the 11th of February, so it wasn't even a whole year ago. Um, they had a kill list, actually, of five students. Uh-huh. And Brianna was on that list, as were several others. Um, these kids are terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. They were obsessed with Brianna and communicating back and forth with a lot of really gross anti-trans slurs and shit in regards to uh, Brianna. Mm -hmm. And they actually tried to kill Brianna with an overdose of cocaine uh, two weeks before they did actually kill her in January. They had invited her to meet them in the park to do cocaine. 
and she didn't come. Uh And they had planned to kill her then. X, the girl, also claims that she had already tried to give Brianna an overdose of ibuprofen um, at one point, and Brianna got really sick, and her mother actually thought she had appendicitis and was in terrible pain and thought she was going to die. These kids were watching torture vids. Um, they, They had access to the dark web on their phone, and they really were a a pair of of psychopaths that they had a lot of plans. There was another student that they had decided they were calling him a nonce and a nonce in, uh, in Britain, that's a term for a pedophile. They had a plan. They were going to hang him with a rope in a park and had been lure him out with a fake Instagram account. But this kid had figured out that something was up and had blocked the Instagram account. Uh Uh-huh. Um, wow. So a lot of really scary things with these kids going on. Um, one of the things that came out from the uh, medical examiner's report is that in those 28 stab wounds, she had actual damage to her bones. That's how deeply they had stabbed her in her chest and her ribs, that it would take a huge amount of force to stab somebody hard enough to actually damage their bones. And, and Wow. Yeah. So very terrifying. Both of these kids have now been diagnosed with several um, uh, illnesses and diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety. But I mean, they're psychopaths. Uh They had a plan uh, to kill Brianna and several other kids. It's a, it's kind of a miracle that only one Jesus kid was killed Christ. in this situation. Learning about them, they are scary. Yeah. Really interesting though because they are being treated as children. They were 15 when the when the murders were committed. They're 16 now. Um because of their high levels of anxiety, they may not always physically be present in the court but may be watching by a video link. Wow. And they both have intermediaries present with them to help them and to help them to participate in the trial and to let the court know if they are struggling and need a break. Wow. Because they are being treated as children, mm-hmm. but very, Boy, in the U S that would children. not be the case. Yeah. No, it wouldn't. It's, it's very interesting the way that they're being handled and treated as they, as though they are children with mental illnesses in the U S right. they'd be, they would be tried as adults. Sure. And I'm not saying that the U S is right. Cause these kids right. are off, big time off. Mm-hmm. And the the stuff that they've said and the things that they are accused of doing is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, there's a real, it, it's weird, isn't it, Joelle, that the UK justice system is very soft. And because mm-hmm. these kids are minors, they're not going to get very much time if they are convicted. Right. Um, and then we mm-hmm. have the US, which is extremely harsh. And mm-hmm. we need some, like, maybe some middle ground here. I think some middle ground would be good. But these this what's coming out about this story is really, really scary. And I'm very glad they've got a hold of these kids. For sure. Okay. Well, uh, let's talk about Troy Driver. Oh boy. Uh, So Troy Driver, uh, of course, is the man that Murray murdered, uh, kidnapped and murdered Naomi Erion in Nevada last year. And this was the girl who, you know, pulled up 18-year-old 
uh, waiting to go get on the shuttle to go to her job outside of uh, a Walmart parking lot and was kidnapped. Uh, a man literally climbed into her car and drove away with her at like 5 a.m. Yeah. Uh, initially, the police uh, took no action, didn't really believe the family. Her brother did most of the police work for the first couple of days and got the, you know, info together about got actual video from and CCTV together to show the police like she was kidnapped. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, a couple of months ago, a few months ago uh, in jail awaiting trial, the perp Troy Driver killed himself. And yeah. this week, Troy Driver's suicide note came out. And it is something else. I'm going to share a little of it i'm not going to read the whole thing to you this is uh this is it yeah how do you read so that read. on a big screen zoomed way in it's a letter to his ex some of the i think more important parts uh he said that he feels like there was always a darkness inside of him he felt like he had slayed that darkness uh by being with her and not being with her, it uh, reemerged. He said that he had that darkness in him when he was an addict. And when he beat addiction, he felt like he'd finally put that part of himself aside. He said he couldn't live with the guilt anymore. That uh, he didn't know anything about Naomi before he kidnapped her. And afterwards, uh, he ended up consuming media that... Uh, you know, he actually learned a few things about her and saw the devastation of her family and that it had been destroying him. Well, no shit, Sherlock. No shit. Uh, he decided that uh, taking his life would be one sharp pain for his family to endure versus uh, having to go through a trial and many decades of him languishing in prison. So he felt like he was doing the kinder thing for them, apparently. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, and other things, but I think those were the most uh, pressing points. Uh, he did ask her to please not tell anyone that he had confessed to her, particularly his family. He didn't want them to know that he was truly guilty of these crimes. I don't think there was really much question. Yeah. I think you were in La La Land there, Troy. But uh, yeah. at any rate, uh, it is an interesting peek into somebody's head that uh, has you know, committed crimes like this. And interesting that he did have remorse. That's very interesting. He actually had a lot of remorse. Yeah. Yeah. Which really makes you wonder what mental illness Troy had, you know, or, or if it was mental illness. But when he talks about having a darkness inside of him that he seemed to be in control of when he was in a happy relationship and was not in control of when he wasn't. And I don't know. I can't speak to it, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, but as always and forever, so much love to Naomi's family as they have continued to have to grapple with what happened to Naomi and then also not get justice because Troy chose to take his life before he went to trial. Yeah. That's the, the whole thing is just devastating. Mm -hmm. It is entirely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, right, Joelle? Learning the person you murdered was an actual person with people who loved them. What a concept, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. For sure. Like somehow we had to learn something about her to know that was true? That's mm -hmm. really screwed up. 
Yeah. Now, Christy, there's a racial injustice case that is headed to the Virginia Supreme Court that we found interesting. Oh, my God. Okay. Let me tell you this story. This story, I did not know this story. But this is terrifying. This is Terrence Richardson and Farone Claiborne. So I've just posted um, a black and white image of the two of them. So let me tell you their story because it will curl your hair. These men were actually acquitted of murder and then sentenced to life anyway by a judge. What? So this happened 20 years ago, 20, 22 years ago, 1998. Uh, a police officer in Waverly, Virginia, um, Alan Gibson was shot and killed. He was shot and killed with his own gun. And this was in the woods behind an apartment complex in this little town. Um, a girl named Yvette Newby, who lived in the apartment complex that faced those woods, told the police that she saw three men go into the woods. Then she said she saw two of them struggling with Gibson and then heard a loud pop. She identified Richardson and Claiborne, but also identified another man at the scene, um, the police told her it couldn't possibly have been that man. And she later had reported that she was pressured to say that she saw Richardson shoot Gibson. Oh. Uh, and that she wouldn't, that she did not want to do that. And that they actually tried to give her money to say that these men did this. So there was no physical evidence linking Richardson and Claiborne to this murder. Nothing. Um, but they showed up they they wanted them to be um suspects you know how this goes two black men mm -hmm. police evidence actually pointed to another man named leonard newby who was actually the brother of the witness um the uh yvette newby So this got all really messed up. It got all really convoluted on it, honestly. The police was the police were just really pushing to get these guys in jail that they did it and you know they wanted to they wanted to solve it right away. And they told um these men, if you go to trial and you mess around and you lose, you could get the death penalty. And how many times have we heard that story along with a coerced confession, right? So Richardson pleaded guilty to involuntary manslaughter and was sentenced to 10 years uh, in prison with five years suspended. Uh -huh. Claiborne, because they, you know, they believed Richardson is the one who pulled the trigger. Yeah. Claiborne then pled guilty to misdemeanor charges as an accessory. Um, he, the, the district attorney at the time said, this case is really, really compromised. Let's just get a plea bargain and get it done. So these men railroaded, scared to death, uh -huh. lied about and lied to. Um, one of the big problems that happened is that the sheriff of that county, his name was, uh, or no, not the sheriff, the police chief, Warren Stirrup, uh -huh. actually picked up the gun, picked up the murder weapon with his bare hands and tainted any fingerprints that might have been on the gun. Good and Lord. In 98. So tech wasn't great back then. 
So Gibson's family was really unhappy with all this because they felt like the sentence was really lenient. And if the police really thought that Gibson or that Richardson and Claiborne had done it, why was this all, you know, happening, right? Mm -hmm. So um, in 2001, they brought a new case against Richardson and Claiborne saying that this was a murder that was committed while they were doing a drug deal for selling crack. How they got tried for this, I don't know, because they were already in jail for having pled to right. this case, right? So um, the jury acquitted them of the murder, and but did find them guilty of selling crack. So the judge, this is District Judge Robert E. Payne, sentenced them both to life in prison using something called acquitted conduct sentencing. So apparently this is a legal mechanism that was approved by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1996. So the court ruled that a jury's acquittal does not prevent a judge from using the conduct the defendant was acquitted of against them when sentencing them for another charge. So it was okay to sentence them to life in prison for selling crack. Wow. It's it's insane. This should never have happened. It should never have stood up. It is nuts. Okay. And there's so much. There's all this stuff we're finding out now that there was all kinds of exculpatory evidence that wasn't turned over to their um, defense and there was the tainted evidence and there was the bribing of the witness and all of this stuff starts to come out and these men have been completely screwed. Wow. So now um, here's the other thing. Gibson lived for a little while and actually described his attackers. And he said that one man was tall and thin with hair that was in dreadlocks that were pulled back in a ponytail. And the other was shorter and squatter with no or sparse hair. And that the man with dreadlocks was the one who wrestled Gibson for his gun. And it went off during this, the struggle and, and put the bullet in Gibson's stomach. Mm -hmm. Neither of these men have dreadlocks. Wow. Richardson had cornrows with braids mm -hmm. that hung down the back of his neck, but they were not in a ponytail. Mm -hmm. uh, Claiborne was bald and thin, but he was the tall and thin guy. They don't even fit the physical description that the victim himself gave. Uh -huh. So there's so much to this. But right now what's happening is that this case is going before the Virginia Supreme Court um, to try to acquit them, get them out of prison because they were already acquitted of prison, of first degree murder. It's just the grossest miscarriage of justice I have seen in a long time. So if you're in Virginia, please learn about this case. Please keep an eye out. Please let your local officials know what you think about it. But I do not think that in any way these men pled guilty, served time for those things they pled for, then were retried, found innocent, and then sentenced for murder anyway. It was just like the system was going to put them away for life for this murder, no matter what, even though there is no evidence whatsoever that they even committed it. Wow. So just let me remind you of their names, um, because if you live in Virginia, particularly, you're going to want to 
keep an eye on this. So this is Terrence Richardson and Ferone Claiborne. They have already spent 22 years behind bars for this whole thing. And um, their defense teams are trying to get them out. Because yeah. how can you give someone life for selling crack when you acquitted them of murder? This is wrong in every yeah. way. It's just horrifying to me. And it's very complicated. I've given just the a brush over of it because it is a really complicated situation. Hmm. But I, I wanted people to be aware of this and to be aware of this. That somehow this was found to be okay. Yeah. So you could get it of murder, but you could still receive the sentence of murder if you were found guilty of something else within that same trial. What? It seems okay. like they circumvented the Constitution in multiple ways here. Many times. Yes. Very yeah. obviously they did. Wow. 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 Well, that's definitely mm -hmm. worth keeping an eye on. Yes. Uh, Patsy, you are reading my mind. She said, Delphi, anyone? Oh, well, yes. Right. Let's talk about mm -hmm. it. Uh, as you know, the uh, Delphi debacle has been rolling out for many a week now. Mm -hmm. And just this week, uh, Judge Gull and the state filed briefs in response to Allen's second writ, which was addressing Judge Gull's brief. So basically, still, they're saying, you know, the defense and the former defense are saying Judge Gull has got to go because she is not following the law. And Judge Gull is saying, I haven't done anything wrong. And they're still saying, yes, yes. <laughs> so let's talk about it. I'm actually going to share with you a tweet from Shay Hughes. Uh, Shay Hughes is a public defender that uh, posts on Twitter quite often uh, with a lot of... Uh, a lot of good thoughts. So here's what Shay Hughes said, addressing uh, Judge Gold's brief. First, Goal contends that Allen did not meet the procedural requirements, in part as he does not have a clear, unequivocal right to have counsel reinstated. Goal cites to Jones, where the Indiana Supreme Court denied a writ, i.e. the removal of counsel, but Goal is misapplying Jones. Jones did not deny the writ for failing to have a clear, unequivocal right to reinstate counsel. Instead, because the attorneys wished to be withdrawn, the court would not countermand the trial court's ruling that placed the defense counsel in precisely the position their motion indicated their willingness to be. Jones is also factually distinguishable as the attorneys initiated their own withdrawal without any influence from the trial court. So essentially, the the uh, rulings that she is, uh, you know, referring to, he's saying just it just doesn't hold any water. Goal also contends that an appeal is wholly adequate. I couldn't disagree more. By being removed, Baldwin and Rossi cannot act on Allen's behalf. Rossi's filings were struck and appearances from both were rejected. Thus, there was no ability for both to initiate an interlocutory appeal. If Baldwin and Rossi were to file a limited appearance, there would certainly be standing issues as the right to counsel and related rights belong to Allen. Additionally, once new counsel was appointed, Allen must speak through this counsel, thus an appeal is entirely inadequate. In other words, she basically set them up for failure, saying, yeah, you can go ahead and file these things, and I'll just go ahead and say no because you're not his attorneys anymore. So she's basically just, uh, you know cock blocking them every step of the way because she can or she believes she well can. she thinks she can 
Yeah. Next, Gull argues that she properly exercised her discretion in removing Baldwin and Rossi. Summarily, Gull contends she has considerable discretion, but she notably provides only persuasive authority and fails to mention Jones, which states a court has limited authority to remove appointed counsel. Gull also argues she afforded due process, but provides absolutely no authority in support of her conduct. In other words, she's just saying words. She's claiming that she can do all the things she did, but providing absolutely no case law that would support that at all. Uh, right. She's also saying that she provided them with due process, which she absolutely did not. That no. would be further from the truth. Moreover, Gull contends that she has shown no bias or prejudice towards Alan or his former counsel. You know, Alan, who she refused to have in her chambers, refused right. to allow to be present for this conversation. Right. Totally violated his rights. She's correct. R.E. The law presumes a judge is unbiased. There must be actual bias. Adverse rulings aren't enough. But removing counsel on the judge's own accord without conducting an evidentiary evidentiary and without the defendant present overcomes this presumption as Allen is entitled to a fair proceeding. Right. All things considered, I don't find Gull's arguments particularly convincing. Very interesting. So we're still waiting for a ruling from the Indiana Supreme court about what they want to do. If anything with this though, mm -hmm. they had a chance to reject it and they didn't. So no, it does seem like, it. Mm -hmm. They may pick it up. I will say again, what a horrible, horrible way this trial is going for the victims' families. Terrible. Nothing is getting done that benefits anyone in this situation. Whether Richard Allen is guilty or innocent, all of this is just more trauma for these families. Right. It is insane and ridiculous what's happening and here no closer to getting any kind of justice for anybody. No, absolutely not. So we'll keep an eye out. It's a good question, Kaylin. Why does she want to stay on this case so damn bad? Right. Because she's totally sure she's right. She has wide, wide discretion. You know, she can do whatever the hell she wants is what she's saying. Yeah. And, and that's, I think where the Indiana Supreme court has really got to step in here and say, uh, no, you can't. Judges have yeah. limits, too. And you can't just violate everybody's rights and do all this shit. And at this yeah. point, is this case ever going to go to trial? You know? Good question. And if it ever does, how many doors will be left wide open for appeal because of all of the constitutional rights that have been violated here for Richard right. Allen? It's a disaster. It is. See, Jenny, it's that's my question, bad. too. She said, I have to wonder how long Goal has been acting this way. Good question. How many other cases are going to come under scrutiny now because of her right. behavior? How many other defendants' rights has she violated up one side and down the other? Right, because these good. attorneys stood up for Richard Allen. What if others just sort of tucked their tail between their legs and went home? Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, I think you're right, Jenny. She's going to retire because of health reasons, so she doesn't look bad. Because mm -hmm. she just was very sick, and I think they're setting that up. I really mm -hmm. do. I was wondering the same thing, too, because uh, this is an absolute she gotta mess. Go. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. It'll end up costing the state 
an enormous amount of money in appeals if right. she doesn't recuse. Why she's not recusing herself, I agree. I don't understand. Yep. Yeah. Right? Is she related to any Odinists or anybody else right. is, like, associated with this case in some way? Why is right. she acting like Who this? Who is benefiting from this? Yeah. And again, whether you think they're, he's guilty or you don't, it doesn't really matter. What right now we're talking about is defendants' rights, which are extremely important in the criminal justice system. And you have to be protected. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It is just not happening. It is a totally fair question. It is. It is. Yep. I mean, who's benefiting from this insane behavior? Mm -hmm. So all eyes on the Indiana Supreme Court there to see what they do. I mean, if they don't recuse goal, I don't even, I don't know. And they might not. Who knows? Then they may as well just, just start the appeals now. Well, and I have other questions like, how known is goal to them? Mm -hmm. Right? Have there been other complaints about her in the past? Have there been other issues? Uh, uh stuff we would probably not uh, be privy to knowing knowing mm -hmm. or what is her name like in judiciary circles in indiana i right. think it's all very interesting well that's the biggest worry isn't it patsy that richard allen will be dead before he's tried yeah because potentially that's my worry an innocent man has been put through all of this because we don't know but also justice would never ever be served if that's what happens no never would Yep. It's terrible. It's a mess. Yeah. So there you have it. That's, uh, oh, I, speaking of judges and, uh, recusals, uh, Brooks Hawk, we talked about him last week mm -hmm. that he was trying to get his, his judge removed from his case because he thought he showed him or showed bias. And the Supreme court in that state said, no bitch, he's staying. So yep. he is not being removed. No, no, no. Yeah, works out. You're going to get your day in court with that judge. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100 percentile. So yeah, I thought that was fairly interesting, but <sighs> I think that's it. Did we do it? I, I think we did it. Yes. I, I checked my list. I, I made my list and then I checked it twice. Oh, oh good. <laughs> A lot of people have been naughty. Not very many people have been nice. Not really, no. Just Judge Newman. But. <laughs> yeah. And Judge Boyce today. Yeah. Judge mm -hmm. Boyce today. Yep. So there you have it. Well, we'll be back next week with all of the new stuff, of course. But we want to thank you guys all for being here. Thank you for being a part of the squad. If you are a patron, there'll be two brand new Patreons rolling out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Our November Patreons are on the way. Otherwise, we'll mm -hmm. see you next month. Yes, you we know, will. Because it's almost next month. Uh, that's all. <laughs> we did work hard today. I agree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all righty, guys. Take care of yourselves. Thanks so much for being here. This has been yet another production of the True Crime Squad. Bye, everybody.